live from Casa Quintana for the second week in a row. Back staring to back. At a, staring at a Yankee pool, man. That's awesome. It's forever enshrined. This is Diamond Dreams Miami up and in. And dude, I can't believe we went through the entire episode last week and we didn't mention the pool. I and mean, we mentioned we it, but we didn't talk. You know, we didn't talk about it, but we posted no, it. We people posted got, it. People got to see it though. They finally got to see it. it it's a beauty. I showed Anna. I showed Anna the picture, and Anna goes, "Ni lo piense." <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. I'm like, "Come on, babe!" But you know, the Yankees logo. Well, listen, you ever put this house for sale? You know, it's got a big pool. Can't go nowhere, like Chris. Exactly. Said. Pool can't go nowhere. That's it's a Yankee stay. fan. <laughs> I'll list it, and I'll list it only for Yankee fans. Oh, that's it. So yeah, Diamond Dreams Miami up and in. That was Sammy Love on the music. Sammy looks like he injured his uh, his leg, so, you know, best wishes, dude. Best wishes. Get, Get back ASAP. Well <laughs> yes, but he leaves us with some great music week after week. And also, we are brought to you by a few things today, but Diamond Dreams Miami Academy. Diamond Dreams Miami, we're here uh, about a week and a half away from opening day for most of our upper division teams. We got T-ball starting this weekend. Yes, sir. And... Um, just getting everybody excited, you know, getting everybody registered, getting everybody registered, uh, ready for a strong spring baseball season because spring's where it's at. I know everybody likes to win the fall and stuff like that, but, you know, spring baseball, leaving the division oh, yeah. is, is where you got to win. So age cutoff May 1st, kids go from 6 to 7, 7 to 8. You got to win at the end, you know. And I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm undergoing a, um, a kitchen renovation at the moment. And it's to dust everywhere. They did. They put in the new window, which is nice. I had no window in my in my kitchen, so it was really dark. But after you know going and supervising and going to Home Depot and coming back, man, I I can't wait for for baseball to begin. That's it. <laughs> that's uh, that's that'll be my outlet. Nice that and work. Nice little project going there though. It's gonna nice, change. Nice the project, house. man. It's gonna look great. Yes. And you know, and and I could lend that expertise of having gone through a renovation. To clients of mine, because I do real estate, you know, and a lot of people ask me, Armando, but I want, I want this house. Okay, the, you want the house with the new kitchen, with the new everything. You and everybody else. Everybody else. Get this house, get Tabuena, Strong Bones, Yankee Pool. <laughs> there you and, go. And then you put your modern kitchen, lo que sea, bro. It. But you need you a need good go. house. You need a good house, like my house. Like my house was, like, you know, or is, like my parents' house was, Absolutely. like Casa Quintana is. Good, strong houses. Dude, they do a lot of cheap labor nowadays, man, in these yeah. new houses. Nothing making What's mouse. up with that? Nothing, nothing making mouse. <laughs> We're looking for good, 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 strong. Mira, my, Mike remodeled this house and it looks beautiful. Looks beautiful, man. We did some work in there and... Uh we keep it going. As long keep as it we going. Can. And there's some delicious little pancakes here, Mike. Why don't you tell us? Listen, we got a Braddock alumni uh, mini pancakes at Paradise Mini Pancakes with two N's. So Paradise M I N N I pancakes on Instagram. Hit them up. Uh, they make mini pancakes. We got a bunch of toppings here. We got uh, 24 mini pancakes. Uh, look like a quarter dollar size. And we got strawberries, bananas, uh, chocolate chips, white chocolate chips, chocolate sauce. We got some powdered sugar. What's your favorite, Armando? Powdered sugar. Oof. Powdered sugar is good. That's good. Don't get a don't get a cholesterol <laughs> test the next morning. Though. Oh man, K KFC and pancakes. Oh, KFC is so good. <laughs> and I and I know that our special guest for today will probably take a few of those to his uh, son Mateo. Absolutely. Man, what a privilege we have Luis Rivera 
on the show. He, uh, man, what a what a what a resume. Yep. You know, oh, he yeah. was born here in Miami. Oh yeah. Raised in Carolina, Puerto Rico. He played at FIU. He got drafted first. Played at FIU. Then he signed pro. Played pro ball. And ever since he played pro ball, he had that inkling to coach, man. And last year he was able to manage the Brooklyn Cyclones. First, I read first player that played for Brooklyn to manage the team, and had a damn good year. Had a real good so year. So w- welcome to Diamond Dreams Miami up and in. <laughs> thank you, Armando, and thank you, Quintana, for having me in this podcast. I appreciate it. Of course, no man. The pleasure, <laughs> the pleasure is all ours, man. So I think I've known Lewis. I think I met you when you got to FIU, right? What year did you get to FIU? I left FIU in '01. I got there in 2002. You got there in 2002, right after. Right after. That's when I when I graduated. Right yes. after. So you played with Tommy. You played with Fernie a Fernie, year. You played with Brad Eldrin. Yeah. Ooh, Brad Eldrin. Too much. What a name. I think. But no, I, I. No. The year before. Uh, the year after they left. After they I left. played okay. with Fernie and Gasitua, and then okay. it's Diaz. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Going a yeah. nice man. So, I haven't seen him for a long time, man. Always a nice guy. Always in shape. Always looks good. <laughs> And no. now uh, assistant fielding coordinator for the Mets minor league system, correct? That's correct. Yes. yes. Nice, man. That's uh, that's that's big time. That's big time, <laughs> man. But listen, hey, with the Brooklyn Cyclones. So interesting story. There, a little connection. And when I signed in 2001 with Cleveland in the in the New York Penn League, it was the Brooklyn Cyclones, which was the New York Mets, mm-hmm. but it was a brand new stadium. Uh-oh. So we were their opener on their opening day of their nice. brand new stadium. And, man, that was such an experience, man. They had that big carnival going on over there in Coney Island or whatever it's crazy, it was. It's crazy. And then so good. It's, it's a short season, so starting June. So you have on the right field, you have people playing Latin music all the time. <laughs> That's salsa, awesome. Everything. And then you have in the left field. You see all the roller coaster going on, fireworks during the game. They have to stop the game or they keep playing with the fireworks. Great ambience is like yes. a lot of energy playing in that field. Yes, good energy in that field. What I, I, I that sounds pretty awesome. That no, sounds like man. a great time. Listen, I, I, I was I, I, I mean, obviously he's got to coach there eighty something games, but you know we were there very few games, and that year as well in the 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 New York Penn League was the first year of the Staten Island Yankees. So the Staten Island Yankees had a brand new stadium as well. Um, you know, super right on the bay there, you know, you had the you know had you had the twin towers with you know that year, the last year there over right field. It was super beautiful. So I was lucky man. I got lucky that year. You know what I mean? But those are some great experiences, man. Great great feel. The yeah. that, that feel from the Yankees is, is it was unbelievable too. Like like you say, a great view, and those field was packed every night. It was sold out almost every night. That's awesome, man. That's yeah, awesome. that's awesome. You know, knowing that not only at the major league level, but at the minor league level, man, you got some some great stadiums, some great teams, good atmosphere, great atmosphere. Now, for like the last oh, no, like now, ten yeah. to twelve years, because you know when I was in the minors, oh, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you were too. I've read there was some too. Mac Daddies like the Brooklyn. You know, you had the newer ones, but man, there was still some older ones. Oh my God. But there's, I, I think most of the older ones either have been like upkept. Like I remember when I played for Reading, and then when I back, went back there when I played worked in management, it was it was different. It was still the bones of it, but it was completely different, like you were saying. But um, but man, there's some new nice minor league parks out there. They're throwing some money in there, man. 
They have to. It's a MLB rule now. They need to be, you know, um, matching the criteria on the MLB rules. So that's good. Now I think now every field have to have their bullpens in the back, and they have they have some criteria that you need to have on. on Wow. See, Burn, that's like, so the people the listening, <laughs> que le gustan tirarle to MLB, hey, MLB does some great things, man. Setting yeah, some yeah. rules, you know, they to sure help do. out the... Yeah, different rules now. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> Pero Luis, look, you know, I, I, we're going to talk a little bit more about your coaching and managing, but, you know, everybody has a story of their beginnings in in baseball. What did, th- what did, what did that beginning in baseball look like for you? Well, for me, in my... I, in my in my career it was easy because um like i was telling you guys before um at the end of my career yeah, as a baseball player i kind of knew they want me to be a, a coach so they're kind of like they were guiding me a little bit uh, to that side and they were giving me a lot of freedom for me to help guys even doing meetings after the games hmm. so um going to early work with um you know, without they didn't, I didn't have to be there to to do the work, but just to translate and to explain the Latin American kids and even to Americans too, uh, because I was really, um, you know, that's one of the advantages to go to college. Um, you get to learn English plus your IQ of baseball gets better. So I was helping also Americans and and they give me a green light to 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 help and um Americans and, and Latin guys in defense and that's one of the things that helped me to translate to become a, a coach. So the transition was was easy for me. I wasn't like other coaches that you can see that they're missing baseball. They grab the ball, they wanna hit BP and I I completely I don't miss it. Like I don't miss playing. I right away went to coaching <laughs> and now it's my time to coach other kids what I know about baseball. And Luis, you you have um I have to I have to mention this. You have a birthday coming up tomorrow. Yes. So oh. by the time people are listening to this, it's Luis's birthday. Uh, so ha- you, happy early you. birthday! <laughs> thank you. Uh, and you're you're a young man. So when when you began coaching, I mean you were you were probably the same age or some, maybe even younger than some players on those teams. Yes. Uh, at the time I was 26. I had that experience when I became a hitting coach in Double A. I was 28. And my two best hitter was 30 and 31 years old. <laughs> we won the championship that uh, that year. We have pretty good players, including Nemo. We have Nemo. Oh, there. nice. Uh, we had a couple of big leaguers in that team, T.A. Rivera. We had a couple, of, like, the team was stacked. And um, they made my job easier as a hitting <laughs> coach. <laughs> but, yeah, I that happened to me from the beginning of my career. I have older, older players. Yeah, man, that's that that's interesting, and I never thought I didn't think of that. So you brought that up right now, like that's Young yeah, I never right thought here. of that, like dude. So yeah, so that's pretty interesting. So you're walking in here as this 26 year old kid, and this guy that's 31, 32 is probably like, but I I think a lot of that you probably earned their trust right away. Yes. You know, th- listen, this guy, those of you that know Lewis, Lewis charismatic man. This guy's smooth. <laughs> this guy knows how to talk. He's well well presented all the time. And that's good, man. No, look, that's I just met him tonight. I feel thank like you, I've known you. him like yeah, <laughs> twenty years. When Thanks. you when you started noticing like that transition that you just talked about, that they were giving you the liberty, it, what were the emotions like? Because for everybody, the end is different. You know what I mean? For me, it was like I remember like kind of seeing the writing on the wall, and I went up to one of the coaches that I had confianza with, and I was like, "Hey, man." My car gets shipped tomorrow. Like, let me know what the deal is, you know? 
Um, but you know, were you? Do you feel like coaching is 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 like a, a a passion? Do you feel like this is a segue? Do you feel this is the way it's always supposed to be, or or you know, how, where do you feel you're at with it? I think I think it's a passion. I think um, you know, I I did baseball for so many years, and um, I used to train really hard. And um, I w- was lucky that I, um, growing up, I practiced with a lot of big leaguers and good coaches, and that helped me to, you know, to get a lot of knowledge of baseball and being professional. I got um, good coaches too, and as a younger coach, I got good mentors, and I'm a, I'm passionate about about teaching and and baseball, and and uh, that's why my my um, my transition was easier. And being a coach right now, I it's it's like the perfect job right now me i i i like it a lot i love it and starting at starting at 26 you know you were able to be a hitting coach you know you've been fielding coach you've been a manager is is the goal to be a manager in major league baseball uh i have that question before a lot not necessarily um i think i can help the big league teams in the future in many ways like you say i i've been um uh, for, uh, you know lucky enough that the mets i have given me the opportunity to be a coach in different fields, like you said, being a hitting coach, short season hitting coordinator, even Dominican Republic, manager, hitting coach, <coughs> and now infield um, coordinator. And uh, not necessarily, I, like I was telling Mike before, like my ideal job will be to coach third base and be the infield coach. I, I love to be to have that pressure, uh, to have the game in my hands, take decision to send guy or to stop guys uh, at third base. Like, I always tell him that I have a pretty good idea about the game. I anticipate. And, you know, when you have a nice play, um, you get a base hit to the guy, you go down, and, like, you can slow down everything, and you kind of know if you can send there or not. And you also have to prepare yourself. You got to go to the computer, watch video from other teams' arms. And, you know, you go prepare to the game. And you know if you can send that guy on a hard ball or not. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Or if it's fast. Oh, yeah, for all you young coaches out there on the game changers, <laughs> we gotta. Go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Listen, where 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 do the wins taste better, man? As a player, as a coach, a as one. a manager, where do they where do they taste better? Because, like, for me. What I tell people is I, I didn't miss playing when I stopped playing. I didn't. Like, I, I felt I was done. You know what I mean? But what I missed the most was the competitiveness that it brought out in me. You know what I mean? I missed that competitiveness. So, you know, the wins that I get now, which are, you know, mm. through the kids and the program and the organization, man, they just taste different. You know, they, they <laughs> <laughs> it tastes really different, you know. For me, it, it tastes differently. It, uh, for me, it's better as a manager to get the wins or as a coaching staff because um, you you prepare the guys every day, right? You know, minor leagues is is it is a process, right? And and it's it's, it's development. And when you see those guys that starting the season is they're not good, and then through the season you see their improvement, starting to win games. That that's what happened my team last year um well this year and we may we may get to the playoff and nobody expect us to win awesome. the second half so 
that you can see that the hard work was there. Everybody got better. And that's good satisfaction as a coach. Absolutely. And those wins taste really good oh, yeah. at the end of the season. And, and like I always say, it's not how you start, it's how you end. Absolutely. How does it work? How is it working now in the season? There's a first half winner that that already gets a shoe in to the playoffs, right? And there's a second half winner, or is it two and two? How is it? Well, it's, it's like that. It's the first time, uh, first half winner and second half winner. Um, and then if the same team win both, is the second second team on the second half. Okay. Yeah. Nice so you man. said third base coaching would be your ideal job, but if they ever called you that you wanted, yeah. you're open. Like I, I'm, I'm open. Like I, I, I can do hitting too. Um, like I've been hitting coach. Like I say, hitting coordinator of all the rookie leagues. Um, and my highest level was uh, double as a hitting coach. I also went to the Arizona Fall League to be the hitting that's coach. That's big time, yeah. That's big time. Yeah, that's I, nice. I got. I, w- I was there with um, Almora and Peter O'Brien. You know, Peter yeah, O'Brien. Absolutely. O'Brien was in my team. You went to Braddock. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so let's say, is, yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm ready for whatever opportunity comes. Like if uh, a team in the big leagues um, called me to have an interview as assistant hitting coach or, or hitting coach, I will take it. You've done some winter ball too, right? You did I did, some, yes. Did yes, I did uh, three, four years in Puerto Rico. Um, and then this year I got offered to go to Puerto Rico to be a hitting coach and to Dominican to be a hitting coach in the Escogido. But I ended up saying no to stay with the family. You know, family's first. I Absolutely. Was, this year I was out for seven months. And the year before that, I was almost eight months. So it, it was it was hard for my family. So I stay home. Listen, a couple of things. He's condensed a lot of professional coaching baseball in not that long a span of time. You know what I mean? That's big time, bro. That's big time. Which brings me to the next thing. You know, people don't realize what these athletes and all these coaches do the amount of sacrifice, Lewis, that it, that it takes. Because, yeah, man, listen. Anything that we do in the baseball, even this, even the podcast, you know, me with the little league with the academy, you with the pro guys, like baseball's awesome. Like we have great jobs, we have great gigs, we love what we're doing, you know. But there, there is a sacrifice at the small level with the Diamond Dreams Baseball Academy. Like, bro, we get going at four o'clock. Like you're finishing up, you're getting your kids at four. Well, we're getting going at four, and we're going through the night. You know what I mean? And those are small sacrifices for a local program, for the owner, for the coaches, stuff like that. But for you and uh, the coaches, and you know, forget the players because they can have the luxuries, but for the coaches, there's a lot of sacrifice involved in what you've done, you know, with the family, with even you physically, you live in, you know, living at home. You're, it's, it's a lot of things, you know? Yes, it's, um, it's seven months away from your family. Uh, you know, now, thank God, the MLB put a rule that um, every coach can take three days off, well, four days, to go and visit their family paid by their, by their organization. Plus, you get the other three or four days free from the all-star break. And, you know, you get to go home twice. And plus, at least my organization give us traveling money for the family to come and visit us. So... With that money, I pay my family to come like twice or three times during the year. That's nice. Yeah, but it's it's, it's very sacrificed. Like I go, like me as a manager, I get to the park at twelve thirty, and I leave at midnight. When you were <laughs> when you were managing, all day because I, I I I remember when I I never really understood 
you know, I played at FIU, whatever. They have the after-game meeting, and then they go into the locker room. But when I got to Pro Bowl, I realized that after these games, these managers, like, they're not leaving right after the game. Like, I would – then I started finding out, oh, they got to do the reports, and they got to do a report per player, and then they got to write – you know, and it it's a grind. So, like, when you were managing – so – Give me like a like a like what was your schedule on a regular day like you'd you'd get to the park you said at twelve thirty, and then what and then how would it go let's say the game let's say you have a six seven p.m. game seven p.m. game so well I work out every day if I work out on the field I get there like at eleven okay um, so I can give my lunch and whatever be be be, be with time there and then I at one thirty right away I have early work somebody a group hitting on the field. So I'm there watching my hitters, you know, supporting my, my hitting coach and talking to my players. It's, for me, it's more mentally because I let my my coaches do their work. So I, I get involved, but more mentally, that's that's what the manager comes in play, you know, the mental side of the yeah. game. And then uh, right after, uh, in between that, I'm working with some infielders in the side doing our routine, like – Cones routine, fragilities, gloves, agilities. Then at two, I will take another group of infielders to do early work on the field. If it's working a backhand, double play turns, um, ground balls, throwing to first, um, you know, whatever I have in plan, whatever they need to work specific, I do at two. Some guys are, are while well, that's going on, still groups in the cage with the other coach doing their routine in the in. So everybody's got early work, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, the pitching coach doing his thing. I gotta go there, watch my my pitchers, try to get involved because sometimes it happens that managers don't get involved that much with the pitching, and you should be involved with the pitching, get to know them, get their trust, you know, of talk course. to them all the time, and it's a lot of things going on. And then after that, everybody's stretch. Well, the pitcher the pitcher stretch first. Well, the pitcher have two different stretch. They have the side stretch when they have to throw their bullpen sides, and then they have the normal stretch for the rest of the pitchers, and then the position player can stretch. stretch. And then we do um, our situational practice, like PFP, whatever we, we want to do defensively. You're in for outfield, your BP. Defensive PFP. Then after that, we do infield routine. I do my routine with the with the, with the infielders, and then the outfield do their routine, and then we hit BP, and then that's about five o'clock, and then we go in. We uh, we eat, then we have the pitcher and catcher um, advance report meeting, getting to know the opposite hitter, with all the data and uh, analysis, and then we have the hitters meeting, knowing the opposite pitcher, the the data and analysis. And then at 6, we open the cage again so I can get ready for the game. And then we play the game at 7. And after 7, that's when your work kicks <laughs> in heavy. Yeah. Well, so they don't just show up and play. No, right? so you don't, and after the game, <laughs> you don't just pack it up. Like, and but pack it up. Myself, I prepare um, myself before every series. So I go, I open my computer, my portal. So I go and check every hitters from my opening team. And I see... Um, if where they hit, what pitch um, hurts awesome. them, um, and because I'm in charge of my defense, so I do the shifting, 
I put everybody where they have to be, the outfield, everybody, and but I look all the videos, everything. I look everything, and then I put it in the system. I do my cards. I give it to my infielders, outfielders, and I go over, you know, with this guy. We got to play here. With this guy, we got to play there. This lefty, he bunts even with one strike, huh. so don't go back until he has to strike. Stuff like that. You know, you have, you have to be talking a lot of stuff and looking uh, information in, in the in the computer a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm, it's I'm, a, glad, it's I'm, I'm glad he mentioned that because, you know, we, we've talked about this in, in the past as well. You know, I feel like managing nowadays is very different than back in the day when it was like, you know, to this guy and... You know, you would look at averages like now there's a lot of analytics, a lot of, you know, a lot of people that get paid money to come, you know, to just study data, 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 yeah. data. I, I just uh, had had drinks the other day with a real estate client and he was telling me, he goes, hey, Armando, you know, anytime you need anything data driven, that's all I do. That's that's my job, you know, and <laughs> everything's data these days, you know, and and I feel like managing has changed a lot. Because of analytics, you know, including the lineups, you know, lineups now when I'm watching MLB, you know, or, or, or lineups that I would have never fathomed to see, you know, I'm like, why is this guy hitting first? But I know there's a method and a reason behind that. So talk a, talk a bit about that change now and how, as a manager last year, do you embrace all the analytics and all this information that's at the, you know, at, at your, the tip of your fingers, basically? Yeah, well, like, when I started coaching, I remember that, you know, you have a paper <laughs> with a drawing of the the field, and whenever Mike comes to hit, he hit a line right to left field, you take a pencil and you <laughs> do a spray <laughs> chart. <laughs> and then you get the pitcher, and it's be, uh, the pitcher that they're not pitching that day, the starting pitcher, they sit behind the plane and, you know, trying to put the velocity and all that stuff. So we had Trackman, we had Hawk Eye, yeah, we have uh, Statcast. We have a lot of stuff that is Statcast. Is awesome. it's <laughs> right there? Like is the data? Like you say, everybody gets that data. Like I, I can pull out a, any any player in my in my phone, my computer, and see all the data and get prepare prepare my team from that. But and um, but is but is will data ever be a determinant for your final answer as a manager, or or do you? Like, or do you, for example, my issue is that, like, that data doesn't include that day. <laughs> and that day, that guy that's not good in the data could be four for four. Right. Or, you know what or, I mean? Like, like, or. Or a pitcher. You know what I mean? throwing so, a hell of a game. Or do you still stick with, like, what you're seeing and what you're feeling and data is, is part of it? Or. Well, remember, numbers don't lie. Right. It's, it's, uh. Is is that data is every day, every day, every day, and it doesn't like like for example, I wasn't by it uh, when I first started to do the shifting, and I'm like, how I'm gonna pull my infielder to this way? He's gonna hit the ball the other way. <laughs> it will hit it. <laughs> it will hit in the same spot with two strike. You want <laughs> the shortstop behind second base? If, uh, that's effective. Boom, two strike. Most of the time, the ball is gonna be around that area. It's an out. Yeah. So it's very, very effective now. A pitcher, you study that and the data and the stuff, his movement of the ball, his vertical right, you know, the ball goes up. That's the pitch that is being hot right now in professional, like teaching pitcher to throw up. Right. And um, you can follow the data, right? But then if that 
day the pitcher doesn't have those movement because you know you, you we're, we're human so you make the adjustment the same way with the infield if i see that i'm putting my shifting and the guys are doing the adjustment in the other way so me as a manager i see that and i have to do my adjustment that happened to me in triple a last year when i was the bench coach and, and infield coach i was with two teams that were really good and they were veterans they were doing the adjustment minnesota and the blue jays and I was doing my shifting and that thing all the time, the other way, the other way. And I say, no, that's it. So right. nobody, uh, only two guys in this team are doing my shifting. Right. And the rest, I'm going to keep my short, on the left, I'm going to keep my short, my short stop in the short stop position. And I fix it. So you got to make adjustments through the games. You always yeah, you, make you're it, using it as a nice tool. You always, like you, you, you always um, make adjustments, but the data is a tool, okay? So you can learn your opponent better. So you can prepare your team as the best you can prepare your team. And you can use your data to develop your team as your mass capacity. You know, like I use my data to help my pitcher to throw better. I use my data to Make use more outs, throw less pitches. It makes everybody more efficient. To hit. Like if I see, like for example, I see my... My hitter, one of my best hitters, that he's hitting the ball below the average league and he's missing too many swings and in the strike zone. So I see those numbers. I mean that he's, do, he's doing he's doing something wrong if you're missing pitches down right on the strike. So right. and then you see those 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 numbers. Something's going on with his swing, and then you watch some videos that you have videos everywhere now, like from seven different angles, <laughs> slow motion, like you name it. And you see that, and then you you fix the guy, and then you have the proof to show them because now now and they this kid from college they 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 want to see some proof. They they want you know they want to see the video, they want to see the numbers that okay right. oh yeah show me true. show <laughs> me yeah, and then so we 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 as as a, a as coaches we need to prepare ourselves and know the data, know how to get the information to provide the player, you know. Those numbers will get them better. I love having these guys on the show, man. No, it, they, it, they they just give you such a different perspective. You know what I mean? Like it's interesting. I, I loved and I loved what he said. Like, yeah, it's a tool, but I'm I'm gonna make the decision wrong. Like, you know <laughs> right? Saying? No, because you know, like the like, easy, you know what I mean? like one of the things that we see all, all the time in games. Oh, you know, I especially gotta, especially with pitchers. But there's managers that overuse it a little bit, Lewis. Like, there's people who. Who in the playoffs have completely like a guy's throwing like sixty eight pitches and the guy's cruising and everybody sees it, everybody feels it, and it's like they pull him <laughs> and then well, it costs them. Yeah, sometimes it happens. You know what I mean? Like that's often. what I'm saying. Like I don't, I, I, I don't think that anything electronic should ever be the final answer on anything. Just because, dude, you you feel like you said maybe we're human. You know that day, you know. Yeah. Like but and, and like and and when he said you know seven different camera angles, dude, I remember when I was in high school, like <laughs> you have to like try to snap the picture like at the perfect spot, like to get huh. to try to get the or or now a camcorder like, from one oh one God. location. That's it. So it, it is, it and is. and all these players have access to all this, right? They go to their everybody, iPad. They go. Everybody, we have we have a couple of iPad going around, and you can go. So we have every affiliate every affiliate have their own analyst so i have my own analyst right so he's the one that prepare get the information get together with the with the hitting coach they do the player plan get 
prepare with me, uh, come to my office. Well, I told him, you're going to sit with me in my office because I want to learn from you too. Of course. So Absolutely. He's like, Louis, this guy today is nasty, good sinker. We got we to gotta get our heaters. You know, I talked to him before the games. I'm my like, coach. So we got to get the guys, you know, to you know, to wait for the good pitch, not to, you know, that that sinker, that start in is going to be a ball. We got to tell, tell them to look middle. So if that ball sink, it's going to be a strike. You know, so we prepare, we talk, all the stuff. And uh, having an analyst comes come and play a lot, and it helps. Um, and but I was gonna say that big league to minor leagues is a different animal. Right, they have different rules. Like for example, in the minor leagues, it is a rule of pitching that if you cannot throw more than thirty pitch in, in an inning. So if my pitcher in the in one inning have twenty pitches, I need to get somebody to warm up. Yeah, right away. Okay, if it's a 27, 28, and it's a prospect, you're out. I have to take you out because that's our rule, and it is a process. We need we need to prevent injuries. We need to take care because it's, it's a projection. It's a process. So also you cannot you have pitching limit. You have eighty five, depending of how many pitches they have thrown during the year, eighty to eighty five, ninety to ninety five. But in the biggest, it's, it's different. Uh, different rules. I remember being in the minor leagues, and you know, I I played with Gavin Floyd. Gavin Floyd pitching the big leagues many years, and a bunch of other guys. And I remember these guys early in the season. You know, they were always in big league camp. You know, so mm-hmm. they would come down. I remember early in the season, they would always be like going into like the seventh or eighth with like a no hitter or like a one hitter. And bro, they pull them out. They had to. It was the rule. They had to protect their arm. It didn't matter if the no hitter was on the line. It didn't matter what it was. I think Gavin Floyd was like, was like he's like pissed off, but they took him <laughs> out, bro. You were talking about analysis, uh, Luis. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you you have like your your simple ones, like you know this guy can't hit a sinker, this guy can't hit a curve, this guy hits good against lefties, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm sure there has to be some analysis that's over the top, like. So in depth, like very ridiculous, and you're like, "Come on, you know, like, like you know, the, like what's the most ridiculous one like you've you've seen, you know? Because there's some guys that may hit better like during afternoon games and night games, you know, stuff like that." Yeah, like I had a a player last year that he had better normal during the day than during the night, and and, and he even told me, "Louis, for me to play today because the game is at <laughs> one and, I, and my numbers are better." And I said, like, "Really?" So when I check. <laughs> yeah, you playing today? And I think sure. he, I think he hit a home run that day. I said, Louis, <laughs> I told you. He, walk, like walking down third base, he told me, I told you, man, I told you, I can hit during the day. And then he checked his eye, and uh, he was uh, his contact. He need contact. He, he, you know, he 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 needs um, glasses, and he didn't. He wasn't using it, so he went to the doctor, and they prescribed him uh, glasses. Hey, how awesome is it? Um, but um, answering answering your question. Yeah, I just giving you simple ones. It's true, um, but it's it's a lot of more in depth in there. Like uh, I can get anything, anything there. Like uh, that's, where that's he amazing, missed, huh? where he missed the most. No, I'm sure even uniform breakdowns, everything. I'm sure <laughs> they can get. You know <laughs> where he's the most. Like I, like me as a manager, I go okay. I'm facing Mike Quintana, right? If he's aggressive, first pitch. If he chase two strike, which pitch, which pitches did he chase the most with two strikes? Like, and I can see all his numbers. Like, he's like point ninety against slider with two yeah. strikes. That's definitely he's swing ninety ninety percent of the time 
with two strikes. So we know I, yeah. or he missed, he missed in the strike zone a wow. 50% chance. So I'm going to throw you fastball attacking you so you can get to two strike and now I go slider. You miss slider in 90, 90% awesome, of the time. Bro. That's awesome. So we formulate, the, we, we formulate the plan. We formulate formulate the plan based on that, and we we see pitchers got to hit their spots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure that had to be somebody at Brooklyn Cyclones Park. I don't know the stadium name, but on the right field where they're playing the Latino music, when they play Bad Bunny, what you know, hitter number seven <laughs> hits way better. So hey, call a fan. Oh yeah, Bad Bunny. Oh yeah, but Louis, what a what an awesome opportunity for you because, you know, in the minor leagues as a player, obviously you met a lot of players, stuff like that. But as a manager, you get to really get to know the personalities of the players. You know what I mean? And and um, all these players are different, huh? Everybody, every single one, huh? I'm I'm glad that you touched that because I I got that question a lot, and I'm say the the hardest job that the manager has is to know how to handle personality. And that's something that I learned coaching Winter Bowl. Um, in Winter Bowl, you know, you have a lot of guys with experience, different attitude, I want to play, and I'm not playing, I'm getting paid more than you, I'm not playing. And you need to um, know how to treat those people. Usually, uh, the people that doesn't play the most in the minor league, that's the one that you need to give them more attention. And also, um, you need to know how to talk to people, the different ways, you know, some, some you get to know their personality. You, I, you know, I know how I can talk to this person. I can be more rough with this guy. I can, you know, I have to be more softer with this guy. You know, it's, it's, it's that that's that's a big part of being a manager, knowing the personality. I'm glad that you that you touch uh, that that because I'm big on that. I'm very very big on that. I try to treat everybody with respect. And um, I try to be as humble and genuine I can be, so I can get their um, respect and I can get um, you know the their respect and and their trust. It's very important to trust your coaching staff and also trust the ne- the guy sitting next to you. And I talk about that all the time in the clubhouse. If you don't trust the next the guy next to you, we're done. We're done. We're done in baseball. Like is is baseball? It is individually, but also it's a team, team effort, and you cannot be selfish. Base uh, runners on first and second, and and try to swing, uh, you know, a yeah. big swing instead of getting uh, a walk, and give the bat to the next guy uh, behind you so he can do the job. So. It, or, or, or you know the guy preparing themselves in the in the bullpen, you know like pushing each other. Hey, let's go, go and get him. I know you can do it because that's where it starts everything in the bullpen. They they talk a lot and sometimes <laughs> they they yeah. But if if you if you create that environment right away in the locker room, yeah, you have to start with the coaches. Yeah, if you if you create a good environment, good work environment, good trust each other with respect and like a family everything will be will be okay and 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 that's one of the things that i'm big when i when i'm I'm coaching and i think in the minor leagues i i think it's it's needed more because kind of like you know when you get to college like it's a college thing you know you're all like but when you get to pro ball yeah we're on the team together but bro, we're also competing our butts off to get to the top. Yeah. But at the end of the day, 
I think that that type of managing and getting them to understand the team concept and then when you understand the team concept, oh, man, it's going to bring out your best training. It's going to bring out your best practices. And it's going to bring out your best emotions. You know what I mean? And um, and I think that's great, man. You know, I, I played in the minor leagues. I had the privilege to play uh, two seasons for Tori Lovolo. I mentioned a couple. Uh, he's the manager of Arizona. Yep. And that was a guy who who I kind of, you know, I learned all these things late. You know, I was already in high A ball, but. Man, a guy just wanted to get to know you, man. And of course, it's part of what he's doing, but it was genuine, it was sincere, and and um, and he impacted me, and I'll I'll remember that for the rest of my life. So I'm sure a lot of the players that you're having that with are gonna remember you, bro. That's big time. That's yeah, big thank, time. thank you. Yeah. And you you were talking about personality of players, but you know, and and, and you talked a little bit about it as you know the way you are. But, you know, we've seen managers throughout history with, with different personalities, you know, the fiery ones, the, you know, the more chill ones, like, you know, like you would see, for instance, like Joe Torre, who always seemed to have it like cool and collected on, 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 on the bench. What, what kind of coach are you? I mean, from what I'm gathering, you're talking about treating people with respect, being humble. You're more along the lines of, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't show emotion. You're not, you're not fiery. I, I, I can get fired. You could get fiery, but, but you're yeah, not one, like e, one ejection this year, what was it? Just one? It was <laughs> actually two only. Two, wow. <laughs> two, okay. two only. And and uh but I, I try to compose myself most of the time. Like I don't like to show emotion. I don't wanna see I don't want my players to see that I don't have control. Right. Uh you know, I'm I'm a type of guy that I wanna you know, I'm there for the for the players. They need me. So if I get uh, thrown out of the game i can't help them anymore so i try my best not to be argue like if i go and argue i argue with with respect and that's something that i learned too and then you get the trust of the umpires and you see the umpires treating you better and oh, better yeah. and better and they even give you some calls sometimes and then when you talk to them you know you go hey come on man you missed that call and uh, you know i'm I'm going to tell you, you're one of the best umpires, but you missed that. You know, you, go, you throw <laughs> some stuff like that. But, yeah, you you, you got you to be yourself and talk to them how it is. Uh, you you, you got to be real with them. Luis, when did, um, you know, we, we've talked about your your coaching and, you know, in a, in a little bit we're going to ask you how, how we could translate some of that advice to to kids, you know, and, and the parents that, are, that listen to our podcast. But I wanted to go back to, you know, when, when you start, when you were a kid, when you started playing how how did how did that love of baseball grow for you? I mean, you know, was there any any player that that you that you idolize? You know, what what attracted you to the sport of baseball as a kid? Well, my 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 older my older cousin used to play baseball, so I used to like go and see him. And then I started to play really young. My dad put me to play uh, at three, and um, I started really young and. <laughs> And I, I like I like I like the sport. And then um, my favorite player growing up was Robbie Alomar and um, the Venezuelan um, Omar Vizquel. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, a, what yeah. a middle infield so right there! They were my Jeez. two, my my best two players. And um, and yeah, I, I just keep playing baseball, and you know, it's, it's, it was my sport, and I was like really really into it. Um, now that you talk about what can you tell your parents, it's like um, your your kid, your kids is if they're good is because 
the support of your parent, the support of the parents. So parents, if you want your kid to be good, you need to support them. You know, you need to support them, and um, you know, it's not just going to practice. You just need. You also need to do some work at the side with them, um, so the kids can get better. And uh, the kids not gonna get better if they don't have the support of their parents. That's how it is in this day like, in. in in the in the youth um players yeah so yeah luis you know and, and going back to you idolizing robbie alomar man i played second base growing up and you don't know how many times i would i would try to like catch that grounder and like you know toss it with my <laughs> with my glove you know <laughs> and then have like a coach tell me like i'm mandito get haciendo you know uh, and that's like the se that's the second time that happened in t-ball t-ball i used to watch so much baseball growing up And I, I think I've, I've said the story before, but not not to Luis. Uh, I, I love Ricky Henderson. Ricky and Ricky Henderson. Henderson, every time he got under a fly ball, he would swipe at it. That's what he would do. And he would catch it. And one of the first fly balls they hit to me in T-ball, and I knew, how to, I knew how to catch at that age. I, I go under, and I swiped at it. And the coach goes, hey, Ricky Henderson, come here. That's it. <laughs> And that's it. Like, he called me Ricky Henderson from then on out, and he's like, hey, what is... No, but Ricky Henderson, like, you're not Ricky Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> you're not Ricky Henderson. But, but yeah, man, it, it's so great. I mean, you mentioned Alomar and Omar Vizquel, who I, I think should be a Hall of Famer, which I need to check. Who made the Hall of Fame? Scott uh, Rowland. Scott Rowland? Scott Rowland. That was it? Scott Rowland, I think that's it. Oh, I'll get into it in a little bit. But Omar Vizquel, I think he deserves to be to be in the in the Hall of Fame But man, we, we grew up watching some great players, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yes. Yes. Sure did, bro. You guys are the same age, right? I'm a little older. You're, uh, you're 42. 42. 40? 40 tomorrow? 39. 39. No, Keep them there, bro. <laughs> Keep them there. No, and, and you're from Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico has such a, such a great legacy of, you know, we were talking boxing earlier, which I'll... I'll mention something before we wrap the show, but, you know, the, the baseball players, I'm, I'm wearing a Roberto Clemente shirt, you know, you're talking about uh, Robbie Alomar, you know, Juan Gonzalez, you know, the list goes on and on, man, so many great players. Pudge. 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 Yeah, yeah. Pudge. Yes, yes. And, and, and right now, the island's hot with big-time players, too, Lindor, Correa, Correa, Baez, you know. Edwin. Edwin, yeah. Edwin. A lot, a lot of great players, Strong. man. Strong. A lot of great players. And, you know, we're t going back to Little League and advice for parents and all that, you have a son, Mateo, who plays at, at Diamond Seven Ridge. U, seven and seven under. U. Sure does. And how is it like, you know, you you played? You played, you know, Little League, high school, college ball, minors. You know, you've, you've had different coaching positions. But that position of being a dad, watching your son play, describe that feeling. It's great. Uh, I feel I feel really happy every time I'm here in uh, in town with him. Obviously, you know I I'm away for seven months, and when I'm here, I try to spend you know as as much time I uh, as much time I can with them with him and Alanis. I have another uh, daughter, five years old, and it's it's a special special to see my kid um, playing baseball. Um, <laughs> you know I. I learned, you know, I, I'm really patient, but with your kid, you gotta be even more patient. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> And uh, yes, that's, that's another 100%. advice. That's another advice I want to give to your parents. Uh, sometimes I caught myself being too hard on my kid, and I'm like, whoa, like my kid is just he just turned seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really patient with 
you know, from the age of 18, 19 to 28, 30 years old, like I cannot be patient with my kid. And parents sometimes they don't realize that they're, they're too hard with their kids and they forget about their age. And, you know, I think it's, it's they're, 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 they're kids. It's, it requires a lot of time and, 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 and reps and practicing to get better. They, they need to understand that not in a couple of days they're going to get better. It might take years, weeks. And, and, and Lewis, it's, it's a, a process. And it's a long <laughs> Yeah. long long road it's a long where road. <laughs> anything can happen where even even you know you can go from a bench guy to a superstar in one day you know what i mean like so many things can happen throughout the time yeah. um it's such a long road too man yeah, be patient be also, patient it, you know? i i noticed here in miami um it's a lot of competition anywhere in the world it's a lot of competition but I see here in parents the competition, kids they want to, you know, do, oh my, God, I want <laughs> kids to do good and good and good. Yeah, I want my kids to do good, to do good too, but you know, you got you to be patient and, and, and you be realistic that your kid is only seven years old right. and six years old Correct. and it will take time and Correct. you might you might push him away if you're yeah. too hard. Yeah. Absolutely. And and as, um, you know, having having a young kid playing baseball and you're, you're a coach in, in pro ball, Um, s separating that because you know I know I know I've I heard something with Frank Martin the basketball coach how he said that you know his kids were you know obviously they were older they were playing high school ball and they'd finish up a game or a practice and they're like dad dad what you know what should I do and they're like, hey I'm not your coach I'm dad yeah I could tell you you know a couple pointers here and there but your coach is that man over there you respect that coach you talk to that coach I'm gonna support you as a dad i know that you know you have to like you said of course every parent needs to take their kid to the park and do their things but you know i know that when coach mike is running the practice he needs to listen to coach mike you know be, being a being a coach who does it professionally is that is that a little bit of a struggle or not really or you or you know more because you're like hey i know what it is to to run a team so i'm not gonna step on any toes basically no, like when when I'm in their practice, I I I stay I stay away. Sometimes I I I say some stuff to to Mateo from the side, but I it's it's all them. It's, it's Listen, all them. this the, the, it, it's a it's a pleasure to have <laughs> this guy beautiful. around because <laughs> no, not, not only that, but <laughs> yeah, I know, and he does a he does a great job. He brings his lawn chair. He sits there, but he's also got the fungo in the car. Yeah. When I'm like, oh, hey, Lou, you got the fungo. He's like, yeah, you need it. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. But not just that, man. Just like I've I've called them before. I've seen them like, oh, explain this to me, like as a resource to make sure kids of are course. fielding correctly. Make of sure, and not just that, you know, like, uh, bro, this guy's there. I got the pressure on me, bro. I gotta perform. <laughs> I gotta make sure I'm teaching the right gotta, thing. You, you know what I mean? But uh, nah, he does a great job with his kid. His kid's great. His wife is uh, was an athletic trainer at FIU when awesome. we were there, and um, you know, Diamond Dreams have circled everybody back around. So yes. that's a nice little <laughs> touch there. So. No, that's uh, that's great, and and you know, and and before we get into a few other things, you know, when when you were when you were at FIU, you know, Mike mentioned you were part of some of some good teams, and you know, you you went from you were playing at Florida Air Academy, which you mentioned that name, <laughs> and I was like, wow, man, I haven't yes. heard that since high school because we went up to Melbourne to to play Florida Air Academy before before you got there, but you know, you got you got drafted and chose to to go to school, you know, and you mentioned, you know. Thanks to a university, you know, you you went, you know, you learn 
better English and, you know, you, you got to experience that whole university feel. Is that something that looking back, I mean, obviously I think you, you met your wife there, so you would say, yes, of course I would do it. But you know, that was, that was the correct decision a hundred percent, right? Getting that education, playing at FIU, meeting your wife. <laughs> no, yes. Uh, I think I did the right decision and I think I encourage, uh, Pretty much all high school kids to go to college. Obviously, if you um, are very, very good that you get drafted the first five rounds, yeah, you can sign. But I encourage pretty much the 90% of the players to go to college. Great advice, um, Absolutely. I even, all the Puerto Rican kids that talk to me, I, hey, go to college, man. Get your education, learn English. And believe me, I thought I was going to be ready out of high school to play professional. And thank God I went to college. I went to college. I felt better. I was a man over there. I learned English. I learned more about baseball. I was more prepared. And then when I went to professional, that I was there, uh, that I was there, um, I was thinking myself like, <laughs> no shot. I wasn't ready out <laughs> of high school. It's, 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 it's a grinder. It's awesome. Good it's experience. A, it's, it's a grinder, and um, I wasn't ready. And I... I think I made the right decision, and I encourage all kids to go to go to college. That's awesome advice. Awesome advice. I love having these guys on. Yeah, right. This has been through so <laughs> many avenues, so many angles, so many little side streets. They got so much good advice for everybody. And this won't be the only time that we'll have Luis on. No, when uh, do you leave uh, now? What's show? your schedule like? What's um What's on deck? I got a report uh, for early camp on February fifteenth. Okay, but and I, then uh, in and out, in and out, in, in and, and out, out, in and out, like in April. You know, when I sit around on leagues, I, I get to come home. Like, if you guys, if you ask me when you're going to be in Miami, I can I can give you a day. Awesome. We can, maybe we can do something. Yeah, hell yeah. Awesome. Absolutely, man. Well, getting getting to MLB, and, you know, we got to, like, position questions a certain <laughs> way, right? But, you know, big trade between the Marlins and, and the Twins this week. Mike, we've been talking for weeks on end that the Marlins needed a bat. And they got a big one. They got the AL betting champion. Luis Arraez. They did. They gave up Pablo Lopez. They did. Okay. But I think this is a win for both teams. I mean, the, the Twins, you know, now that they got Correa back, they needed a, a, a good arm, and they got a great arm in Pablo Lopez. And the, the Marlins needed somebody that, that could hit it's the ball. It's a better trade than getting Glaber for, for Pablo Lopez. Yeah. It's a better trade. Listen. I, I, I like it. Let I, me tell I you what I like. Trade. What I tell you what I like. Obviously, you know that I don't think it's anywhere near enough. No, okay, because that division but it, is out a, of control. It's a no, big but, story. but 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 big story. but what I like is that they, they got their wheels rolling. They got their wheels rolling. They signed uh, the Cueto, right? They signed the Cueto, and then that kind of set things up to trade Pablo Lopez. And not just that, but that's a big fish they're reeled in. Like that kid's the real deal. He's a batting batting champ. You know what I mean? So they what I like three is positions. that. Yeah, but but what are they doing a short? What are we doing at short? Because um, Segura is right. He's going to play third. Jazz is this going to short. This guy's going to play second. No, center field. No, it's center, Jazz field. Going to center Jazz field. Jazz is going to center. So they've left first base open, which I think they're trying to still trade for Tristan, the Tristan guy. Uh, and they're doing something with shortstop. What's going on there? Man, I, I don't know. What's going on? <laughs> at, at shortstop, I see, you know, I see some. 
some interesting prospects, right? That are in their minor league system. Maybe they no, want to. No, no, I maybe, don't think that's maybe the move. Maybe they want to try them out. I, I'm not sure if they're going to go after. No, that's not the after move. a shortstop. No, they left that door wide open at shortstop. They traded Miguel Rojas. They said Jazz, you're going to center field, which I thought he was going to play short. I thought he was going to play short. They said it publicly. Segura's going to play third because Segura only played. Segura only played one game at short last year, and. They they told this kid he's gonna play second, so they've left vacant open two monster positions: yep. first base and third base. And and Bauer is still available. <laughs> <laughs> Bauer's still available. Yes, and you can get Bauer for seven hundred ten thousand dollars right now. If the Florida Marlins get Bauer right now, they are contenders. I think they could be contenders, absolutely. But they, they need to do something <laughs> at short too. And, and you know, and I know oh. that they just traded for a prospect for from the Dodgers. No. Oh, no, no, they got, no, no, they're gonna do they got something going on, Amando. You don't think it's like Jordan Groshans no, is gonna play no, shortstop no, all season? They, there's some there's I don't know. I st- I, I'm not sold yet on Tatis staying in San Diego. I'm not saying he's coming to Miami, but I'm not but, sold on him it, staying in San Diego. But if a team had ammunition to get him, Miami has well, a, a lot of prospects. I, I just don't I don't understand the Bogarts thing still, it's still confusing. <laughs> I, I I think that, uh, that I don't think Tatis is is, is going to be in San Diego. I'm not saying he's coming to Miami, the but the Marlins have left it wide open for a fan like me to think that they're, <laughs> they're going to bring in a horse. But don't you don't you think Luis? Um, it, it would in in positions like this, like a team trading, you know, making trades, leaving a position like shortstop open. That it creates a great opportunity for a kid looking to make it in the bigs. Yeah, they probably have a big prospect that they yeah. wanted to give the opportunity to him, or maybe it's uh, something. I don't know. Coming, uh, something's coming up. But or I know that the cooking. Marlins are looking for something. a shortstop and a first baseman right I, now. I heard they were looking for a third base too, but I don't know. Um, if I, now I, I, I heard I, that the Segura is going to lock it down at third. They signed yeah. him to two years, and supposedly that's their guy. But these things can change from one day yeah, to the yeah. next. But. Yeah. Cause I, I heard I heard that that term like platooning, you know, Cooper and and uh, at first and El Otro and how about Julie Gurriel, the Cuban guy? You know, he's towards the end of his career, but I still think he has some good baseball left in him. If we're gonna get um, Gurriel, yeah. I I I player. I yeah. If we're gonna go that route, I'd I'd rather get Tristan Casas in there. Look, Casas you know? is a. Okay, so he's one, a good, you know, he's a Miami kid. He's gonna, you know, he's he's a he's a big left-handed hitter. Bro. One of That's the one of the Diamond Dreams dads, Cesar Pulido. He's a Red Sox fan, and, and his twin brother Marcel too. They good friends of mine, but I'm a Yankee fan, and they they wear their Red Sox hat proudly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned to to one of them, I'm like, hey, you know, Tristan Casas, they better not trade him. No, but for they better not trade him. I don't care if it's for Pablo Lopez and Trevor Rogers. I, I don't care. They like that kid. He had a big home run off Garrett Cole. Yeah, last no, year. that kid's that kid's young. He's the real deal. He's really good. Um, he's really good. You know, he's, really he's a good. top prospect. And that's what I'm saying. If if we're gonna if we're gonna go the Gurriel route, I'd rather go the Casas route. And they, but who's gonna play shortstop? I <laughs> want to know who's gonna play shortstop. I started going through their minor league system, looking at shortstops, and I'm like, "Who, who from these guys?" Because they have a guy named uh, oh, yeah. Luis. Could correct me if I'm saying his name incorrectly, but he, he's a Cuban kid, Yidi Cap Cape 
something like from that. Where, from where? He's Cuban and he's like 19, 20 years old. And supposedly this kid's like, like not supposedly he's six three, but this kid there. Their com the comparison is Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa. You know, I, I mean, know. there's some there's some times that they that look. This is a good question for 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 Luis talking about Correa, who left who left Houston. They brought in Jeremy Pena, and look what he did. Look what he did in 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 the World Series in the playoffs. When do you know? You know, being in the minor leagues, watching these kids, obviously, you know. There, each team has their process of like, okay, this this kid's gonna be here for this and this, but when do you say like, man, this kid needs to be in the pros right now? I don't care if he's eighteen, nineteen, twenty, because I remember ninety six as a Yankee fan, Andrew Jones torturing the Yankees for two games, the first two games of the World Series. That guy was eighteen years old. Eighteen years old. When do you know like, hey, this kid cannot be in the minor league system. He needs to be in the pros. Yeah, he's like a I'm gonna be honest. Um, <clears throat> I I never have that experience, but um, what I learned is that you know you need to be able to master a lot of a lot of fields when you play. Like for example, about hitting, you need whether looking on base percentage, good, you know, be able to swing a good strikes. Okay, you're not gonna be make it to the big leagues if, if you chase and you don't have a good on base percentage. That's OPS, you know, stuff like that. Like, they look into that a, a lot. Um, like, we, we have some prospects or, or players that they're hitting okay, but their own base percentage is low, and they're still chasing a lot in the minor league system, and they don't go up because they want them to refine their strikes. And, right. and until they don't see that they're mature on the batting box, that's when they go up. So for a team like Houston... To say, hey, we're getting rid of our our caballo, huh. to bring in to bring up Jeremy Pena. We're gonna trust this kid. This kid in the minor leagues must have been like, <laughs> I haven't seen the numbers, but I had the performances that he did. <laughs> is just, he must be a really good, like yeah. really consistent and efficient in every. He every was he was so game. good that they the Astros didn't go after Correa again. Because exactly, yeah. I remember when you know? you know back back then when I was a teen watching you know a Rod. His his uh his transition into the majors, I remember that the Mariners would bring him up. He'd hit about two something. Then they bring him down. Then he come back up, hit a little bit. They send him down, and I think it was like the third time. Lou Pinnell was like, "This guy's not going anywhere. I can't send this guy back to the minors. This guy's a major league player." Well, that's, that's that's I was gonna say that sometimes like you move somebody because they have some needs. Sometimes it's like, hey, um, like when I was in AAA. Uh, last year, they used to call me. You know, I was the bench coach, and they used to ask me and tell me, "Hey, Luis, do you who you think can help right now? That is ready right now because we have a lot of injuries last year." So, oh, I think this guy can go and help. So, sometimes people right. get opportunity because they need, and they go up there and they rake this, you know, and they keep in there because he's doing the job. So, this is depending on the situation. But if to stay there, like to move to play every day, you gotta take in consideration some key. Of course. Key stuff. Of course. <laughs> of course. I'll tell you what, though. But <coughs> when I was in the minor leagues, okay, because you, you asked, like, oh, when, like, when you see the difference, like, in the player. I remember being in A ball, high A ball, double A ball, and big leaguers coming down for rehabs, whether it's to get at bats, whether it's to throw three innings. And, man, there was always a significant difference <laughs> between these guys and us. 
You know what I mean? Like, whoa, like just the way they did everything, how good they were, how talented they were. It was a big difference. So, and I remember playing against and and Abel. I remember playing against David Wright, which was a third baseman for the Mets for a long oh, time. He was he was so man, good. and not just that, but in the minor leagues, like, dude, he was he was different. Like, and these guys that you it's like, you sense it. See, like sense it. they hit the ball different. They square more balls up. They strike out less. They make the big play. Like it seems like the game happens around them. They steal the base. Like. Like it's just they're, they're just so good. It's the the you consistency. Know? That yeah. First of all, you see the way they get prepared. Yeah. They're, as soon as they get to the park, the way they get prepared, the discipline they do things. You know, the right way they prepare well um, for the game. You see in their BP, their consistency, other swing, same. You know, burying the ball all the time. You see a a bullpen is strike. Every pitch is a strike. Low up in every every pitch. The consistency of everything, everything that they do is efficient. And that's one of the things that, you know, that's why they're there. Plus, their mind, man. <laughs> their mind. <laughs> no, it's everything me the mentally, they, they, you know, they, they handle the situation better. They, you know, they can get out of, um, out of slum, like, faster than a minor league um, player. And they handle the situation different differently that that's why they're they're big league players no and look I, I had a different a way different front row seat than you guys did you guys were in you know in there man like playing in the in the minors you're you with your with your coaching experience you see it through this whole other lens you know i see it more through the media angle you know covering covering games and and all that like for me it's you know it's something like the presence la, la presencia that some of these players have like I look at Eudi Perez from from the from the Marlins organization, kids like what like six seven I think, right-handed pitcher. He's nineteen years old. There's no way that this kid lasts another season after this one in in the minors. This guy has like a big league body, big league feel. He, like he goes out there and he and he's pitching and he's just dominant. Like he looks like he doesn't belong where, where he's at. Kind of like what Mike was saying, like yeah. they, you know, like and a David Wright. He just looks. So polished compared to everybody yeah, else. Yeah, and teams also sometimes, you know, because of the, the way it works with the days and the years and the arbitration and all that stuff. Some teams there's do guys more that, than others, There's right? guys that are down there <laughs> that, that, that don't deserve to be there. Right. But they're there just because there's a clock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but <laughs> what, what but they, those guys stick it? out. Uh, service time, or yeah, right? service time. I don't know what the rule is now, but it you know it's that just starts. <laughs> you go before the time, stop counting, and they can yeah. Keep it more, more time. And there's very few people that beat that clock. Like some of those people that beat that clock are like like Mike Trout and who. Alonso. Yeah, Peter Alonso. Like, you know those guys beat that clock. You Brooklyn know what I mean? Cyclones, right. You know, they try to, they, you know, they beat them. They, they get there because they're that good. But that's not most of the people. No, no, no. no? It has to be like, a, like almost a star player. Yeah, you got to be, uh, you know, Francisco Lindor. Yeah, or you got to be. That you, have like no no, yeah. you have like no excuse to. Like A-Rod. Like A-Rod, you, you know, he got there at 18, 19. Like you knew he was going to skip. Bryce Harper, those type of guys. It's just. Yeah, some people, you know, on the fast track. Oh, yeah. And b before we go, you know, um, NFL playoffs. I don't know how much you follow NFL, Luis. Not too much. Not too much. <laughs> but, but I look, I watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> but look, there's a there's a quarterback, Luis. This guy was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick in the NFL draft this past year. Rookie. Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers quarterback, gets hurt against the Miami Dolphins. And this kid comes in, Brock Purdy. 
he has not lost a game since he came last in, pick of the that, draft into that game. And last he, pick of the draft. He just beat the well, let's say the 49ers beat the Cowboys, but Brock Purdy played a pretty damn good game. And they asked him in, in the in the post game, you know, something that attributed to his success right now in the NFL. What did he say? Baseball. 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 Played multiple sports. He said he played short, and he also played third. And he said, learning how to throw some of those angles, you know, helps me, you know, because he's a type of quarterback that when he escapes, you know, he looks for the for the right pass. And sometimes, you know, you, you have to, like, sidearm it. They made a Kent Tacovi reference on the, on, the, on the broadcast. I think he threw it sidearm, like the Pirates closer back in the 80s. Th- this guy attributed baseball to a lot of his success in the NFL. This guy is one game away from making the Super Bowl. That's big time. You know, baseball is the hardest sport, not only hitting, but it's got so many factors that make it so difficult. But let me tell you something. Brock Purdy is the story of the year. Yeah, man. From last pick of the draft to third string to coming in and not losing, and not just that, but the guy's a beast. The San Francisco 49ers have to make a tough Tough, tough couple decisions this offseason because to me, quarterback, not tough. He's for your me. guy. He's, he's your, your guy. guy. He's your Easy. guy. Easy. He's your guy. And they traded a lot of people to get to trade. <laughs> and dude, <laughs> Trey, La- Trey Lance. Trey oh Lance is, he I already knows it. he's going to get traded. I love he already it. knows it. There's it. been some. They traded some a tweets. bunch of people to get to yeah. him. Oh my God. You know where I would like to see Trey Lance? The Miami Dolphins. I'd like to see Brock Purdy <laughs> here with the Miami Dolphins. No chance. He's going to retire a 49er. You know, <laughs> He's going to be like Tom Brady. No, but uh, you know, the, let, let you know, let's let's see what the kid does now in the NFC Championship, but he he will be playing the Philadelphia Eagles who just utterly destroyed Jalen Hurst. Destroyed the Giants. Jalen Hurst. Jalen Hurst Jalen Hurst is so good, man. They got a they got a team of of uh <laughs> Talk about a guy that a lot of people passed on cuz a lot of people point oh, but the Dolphins too yeah, like, you know, Tua was yeah, among the best quarterbacks, but yeah. so many other teams had just passed mm-hmm. on Jalen Hurts. I'm going to tell you one, one one thing that every team did six times, except seven, one, they passed up on Brock Purdy. Every team. Every team. A lot. A lot every of times. Every team <laughs> passed up on him seven times, except the 49ers. As their last pick. As their last pick. And it's always a now, joke. They bring out a uh, jersey that says Mr. Irrelevant mm-hmm, with the number yeah, 200 and something. There you have it. Kid's not a joke. He's very it's not relevant. A joke, but it's a great story, man. It's it's a it's a great story. And you know, it's that can be like a good for for some young kids. You know, sometimes they they don't play and they give up. Don't give up. Just keep playing. Don't and give keep, up. Keep play, You know, don't keep keep up. training. You never know when the opportunity comes and keep going. You get the opportunity to to play and you stay with the position. Yeah, look, keep going. that happens all the time. At prof- all the the time. David Espinosa mentioned it a couple of weeks ago with us that they went to go see. JT Realmuto as a as a shortstop, as a shortstop, you know that they may be able to draft like way later in the draft. The guy plays catcher because of an injury, and they draft him in the third round. And he's one of the best catchers in the major leagues yeah. right now. <laughs> so yeah, that opportunity you never know when it's gonna come knocking. Yeah, and, and um, Degrom was a shortstop in college, and look who's Degrom's one of the best pitchers in, in the big leagues. Look, one of the things that we had brought up in that episode with with David was, um, and you you know you have a seven year old, right? Uh, how important is the versatility for a young kid 
and to take that into, you know, playing at the next level because David Espinosa, because of his versatility, was able to transition from short to center field because of his speed. He was able to do a lot of things. So, you know, how important is it at this age for kids to learn how to play different positions, you know, cover different bases, learn to make different plays, catch fly balls? How important is it to learn a little bit of everything? I think I think it's good, you know. Um, I think that... Um at the young age, I think not too much to be playing many positions because you need to make sure to learn the fundamental and you have a lot of kids that doesn't know how to play one position. Right. But then, like, I will say when they're getting, like, to 10, 11 years old, that they're more mature and they know they're, they're dominant, they're, they master their position a little bit more, then they can move to a different position. But I will say, like, for co-pitch, stuff like that, I think they should learn one position or at least the infield, be able to catch the ball in the infield and you can, like, move on around. But um, I would say, like, at an age, like, 10, 11, 12. Once you get to, like, kid pitch where, like, you know, you got to come in from shortstop to pitch or, for like, from right field. Exactly. You know, oh, yeah, you just threw, say, so go to right field and then this guy's going to play there because you threw. In that, in that age, they already have a good idea how to play baseball, you know, and those positions, and then they can learn different positions. I think that will bring... You know, what you're saying, the versatility. But I think younger than that is going to be tough. Yeah, you're going to, the team is going to be like, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Of course, yeah. of course. Going, that's good, man. That's good <laughs> advice. There you go. Wait, these guys just bring good advice all the time, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're, we're about to wrap up, Luis, but, you know, before we, we went on, we were talking um, a little bit of boxing because, you know, I know Puerto, Puerto Ricans are, are big on boxing, big boxing tradition. I grew I grew up and covered boxing, thankfully for for many years, and I watched it many many years with my dad, and and I got the chance to go to Puerto Rico and interview a lot of boxers, a lot of good boxers, and you know there's been kind of like a like a decline, but man, when we were growing up, there were some some really good Puerto Rican fighters. I know, I know. Um, when I was young, I I remember doing like I get together with my family and watch Tito Trinidad fight Camacho. Like a, a lot of um, Koto, a lot of good boxer, but now it's, it's going slow now. Uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I don't follow it that much now. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't see that many big names there from from Puerto Rico right now. Yeah, the biggest Puerto Rican right now for me is uh, Sander Sayas. He's about 20 years old, good kid from South Florida actually. Um, was born in Puerto Rico, came here, and and now you know he's he's a good prospect, very good prospect. Good. But man, Tito Trinidad, you're talking about watching with 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 family and stuff. I remember there was a parade when he beat De La Hoya over there. <laughs> I, I, the next day, nobody went to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Na- national holiday. I know. Yeah, hey, that's big in Puerto Rico. They they do their own holiday. So no, and when, <laughs> even when they got to the World Baseball Classic final, that was a big, big, big party when everybody yes. got back there. It's big things, man. It's awesome. But Luis, thank you very much for coming on with us, man. This was uh, this was awesome. great. You know, it, awesome show. It's not every day that we could sit down with with you know a professional coach <laughs> and, and and talk baseball and strategy and all that. And hopefully, you know, you provided a lot of value to to our listeners. No, no, the pleasure is mine, and thank you for inviting me to this podcast. And whenever you guys uh, want me to share my experience again. I will be more than welcome. Oh, yeah. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you so much, man. No, thank you, guys. 18 episodes down, Mike. 18. Oh, yeah. Almost at 20. Almost legal. 
<laughs> almost over. We can almost have a drink at 21. 21. <laughs> at 21, we need to have drinks, yeah, right? Yeah, we do. 21. We do. But yeah, but hey, like we always say, thanks to everybody for listening to us. And, you know, people keep coming to me and say, hey, I listen to the podcast. So hey. thank you. Listen up. See you next week. And happy birthday to Valentina Quintana. Happy birthday, Valentina, for yesterday.